0: Welcome to Guarding the Digital Frontier, a Cybercrime Magazine podcast series brought to you by Georgetown University, where students who are interested in anticipating the next threat, managing risks, and protecting data can secure their future with a Master's in Cybersecurity Risk Management. To learn more about our sponsor, Georgetown University, visit scs.georgetown.edu slash cybersecurity. I'm your host, Charlie Osborne, and joining me today is Dr. Chuck Eastam, an adjunct professor for Georgetown University and for Vanderbilt University, and a senior member of both the IEEE and the ACM. Chuck, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Good day. So in this episode, we'll be discussing the question, is the future of cybersecurity quantum? To dive right in, Chuck, can you please give our listeners an overview of what quantum computing actually is?
1: Simply the idea first posited by Richard Feynman, that we can do calculations based on storing data and processing it in the quantum state of subatomic particles, such as photons, electrons, and things of that nature. This gives an advantage for certain types of calculations, not for all types, but it can provide much better processing in certain applications than you can get on a classical computer.
0: And does this include encryption? And if such, what are the main differences when it comes to, say, classical encryption methods and quantum-based encryption?
1: Well, there are two separate issues. The first is the threat quantum computers pose to the currently used asymmetric or public key algorithms, such as RSA, Diffie-Hellman elliptic curve, and the variations of those. Basically, all of those algorithms are based on specific problems in number theory. A great example is RSA that's based on the difficulty of factoring a large integer to its prime factors. Turns out classical computers really struggle with that Take a lot of time. Well, quantum computers, due to the fact that the qubits are in a superposition of all possible states until they're measured, can actually factor much faster. Peter Shor proved with Shor's algorithm that basically a quantum computer can solve the integer factorization problem in what's known as polynomial time, to put that in layman's terms, basically in a reasonable amount of time, which means that quantum computers can crack RSA, which is widely used. It's also been established that quantum computers can crack the mathematical problems that are bases for other currently used algorithms like Diffie-Ellman, which is dependent on the discrete logarithm problem. So basically, as we get bigger and more powerful quantum computers that can maintain coherence for longer periods of time, currently used asymmetric or public key algorithms become more and more in danger with each passing year.
0: I came across an interesting quote that was from Quantum Exchange, and it said, even though quantum computers don't technically have the power to break most of our current forms of encryption yet, we need to stay ahead of the threat and come up with quantum-proof solutions now. If we wait until those powerful quantum computers start breaking our encryption, it will be too late. As an expert in this field, what's your thoughts on this? Well, that's
1: true for multiple reasons, particularly for nation-states, because their adversarial nation-states often will gather up communications they can't currently crack with the hope of later being able to crack them. So just because an adversary can't crack your communications now doesn't mean they're not storing them to crack them later. Now the good news is there has been a rush over the past six years to establish standards for quantum-resistant cryptography. The U.S. National Institute of Standards has established a set of algorithms that have been shown to be resistant to quantum attacks. The problem is, I'm not seeing very many civilian companies start implementing these.
0: Do you think they will start implementing them in the near future at all? Is there a financial benefit for them to do so?
1: Well, the bottom line is that security is important to everyone. You don't have to be a cybersecurity professional to be aware of the numerous breaches you see all the time in the media. So for any company, if you're not implementing quantum resistant cryptography and your competitor is, at a minimum, that's a good marketing strategy for them. And a few years down the road, it will mean that your customers are in big trouble. So I would like to see more companies embracing this, but I have not quite seen more than a handful start yet, but I'm hoping that changes.
0: So we've discussed some of the threats that quantum computing may have for cybersecurity, but we haven't really touched upon any of the benefits. Are there any? Well, there are quite a
1: few benefits to computing in general, as well as to cybersecurity. In my opinion, one of the really great advantages to quantum computing is improved searching. A good example is Grover's algorithm. Traditionally, classical search algorithms, searching through an unsorted list, could take on average... What we call one half of N, which means if, say, your list is 100 items, could take 50 tries to find what they're looking for. Grover's takes square root of N, which would be if your list is 100, it will do it in 10 tries. Now, how is that relevant to cybersecurity? One of the issues every cybersecurity professional is bound to be aware of is that we have enormous amounts of data, particularly in logs that we have stored and backed up. Yet it's really not practical to analyze those or to search them. We have no idea what sort of patterns we might have right there in our own logs, just waiting to be discovered. Quantum computing promises to facilitate that discovery process.
0: And could you walk our listeners through some of the most important areas of research, in your opinion, in relation to quantum computing and security?
1: Well, there are two fundamental issues in quantum computing, one of which is simply the size of the quantum computers we have. You're using a traditional classical computer that probably has many gigabytes of both memory and storage. Well, quantum computers don't have near that size. Just last year, IBM released their Osprey processor that has 433 qubits. Now, imagine you had a classical computer with only 433 bits. It wouldn't be of much use to you. One of the things we're seeing in the area of research is simply dramatically increasing the size and computing power. Still sticking with just IBM as one example, in the past six years, they have gone from 57 qubits to 433, and their plan is to go over 4,000 by 2025. So that's an exciting area. Another issue that prevents us from currently getting the full use of quantum computing is something called decoherence, essentially, because qubits are maintaining and processing data in the state of some subatomic particle. They're also subject to all sorts of interference. We've discovered that even cosmic radiation could destabilize a qubit and cause it to basically decohere, lose its state before we're ready to measure it. Maintaining coherence is a really important thing. Now, traditionally, the way to do that has been to supercool the qubits down to a fraction of a Kelvin. Now, if you don't recall basic chemistry and physics, the Kelvin scale measures absolutely Zero energy, so zero Kelvin means there's no energy. It's roughly 273 below Celsius. So you're looking at trying to get to a fraction of a Kelvin to maintain coherence. Well, that in itself is an entire area of research, just trying to investigate better ways of supercooling. Other methods to try to stabilize the qubit to mitigate the threat of decoherence, things like trying to filter out background radiation, cosmic rays, things like that. All of these are various areas of research that are advancing quickly. Now, one of the things I get asked a lot is, with all these challenges, are we going to get practical, usable quantum computers in the near future? Well, I tend to be very positive on that for a couple of reasons. Reason number one is simply the pace of research discoveries. It's difficult to keep up with the new discoveries in quantum computing because they're happening all the time. Better coherence times, more power. So I would say that the chances are in the coming years, it's hard to say exactly how many, say five to seven years, we're going to see practical usable quantum computers enter the main stage of the cyber world, which is both a promise with things like Grover's algorithm and a threat with things like Shor's algorithm cracking RSA.
0: Is there anything else our listeners should know when it comes to the future of cybersecurity and quantum computing?
1: Well, this is one of those areas I liken it to machine learning. I'm not saying to be a cybersecurity professional that you have to go out and master quantum computing or machine learning, but it's very difficult in the coming years to be effective in cybersecurity if you're not at least conversant in the basics of these fields. In other words, I'm not saying you have to go back to college and get a degree in physics, but you should reach a point you're at least comfortable with quantum computing so that you can know what's really happening and what's not. One of the problems, and again, this is the same in machine learning as it is for quantum computing, is when you look at information out in the world, a lot of it's inaccurate. There's a lot of hype. I see companies that are saying they have quantum-resistant technology when a cursory review of their technology says it's not only not quantum-resistant, but I'm not sure they even understand the problem. So as a cybersecurity professional, you have to know enough to at least ask good questions of vendors and evaluate the answers and that's a similar problem with machine learning everyone is claiming that their cybersecurity product incorporates machine learning and some of them do some of them do a great job you don't have to be an expert in that area but you have to know enough to be able to answer good questions and to understand the answers
0: thank you for joining us today chuck and sharing your expertise Guarding the Digital Frontier is a Cybercrime Magazine podcast series brought to you by Georgetown University, where students who are interested in anticipating the next threat, managing risks and protecting data can secure their future with a Master's in Cybersecurity Risk Management. To learn more about our sponsor, Georgetown University, visit scs.georgetown.edu slash cybersecurity.